Good afternoon, everyone, and thanks so much for joining us today for Managing to Make a Difference. I'm Kimberly Shirk. I'll be your moderator for today's show. And I'm joined, as always, by co-authors Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. They are our experts in management techniques, the research behind them, and why effectively implementing them can really make a difference in your organization. Today's show is going to be a great one that we're really going to get to take a little more time to reflect on many of the episodes and the podcast that we've already covered so far. And actually, the first two segments of the book is what we're going to be focusing on in this first segment of our podcast. They are entitled Cultivate Positive Relationships and Accelerate People's Growth. And I think as we just begin to talk about these sections of managing to make a difference, what really comes to my mind is the importance of that very first section, cultivate positive relationships. Larry, what comes to mind for you? What comes to mind for me uh, immediately is a, an article that uh, I got pushed to me by one of my various uh, services that push information to me. Uh, and, and this was uh, some recent research done by some highly credible scientists at, uh, uh, if, I, if I remembered the university, I would say, but this, this is credible research. And the, the question that they were researching is, what, uh, what's the main thing that leads to happiness for human beings? And they, 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 the article reviewed the research and they followed people uh, for several generations. So several generations of subjects, several generations of scientists who are collecting and analyzing data. And when all the dust was settled, the number one factor in whether or not a person is happy is that they have close relationships with other human beings. So that's how fundamental relationships are, that, that it's the main thing that leads to happiness, much more important than any of the other factors you might immediately name, uh, even health. Uh, it, it, it's those relationships that make the difference. So here we are, Kim Turnage and, and Larry Sternberg, saying uh, cultivate positive relationships. And originally when we, when we wrote this, we were thinking about the, the fundamental insight that it is through relationships that we influence other people and that therefore we can make a difference in their lives. And this, this recent research uh, is, is saying that you can make a pretty immediate difference by developing close relationships with people. It contributes to their happiness. Well, and I think sometimes we've we've gotten comments that some of the advice we give is a little countercultural. Sometimes it's um, not exactly what everyone else is saying or what the general message is about how you should be a good manager. But this is one of the reasons that we stand so firmly by our recommendation that as a manager, one of the most important things you can do is get close to your people and ignore that advice that says don't have personal relationships with the people that you manage because the best thing you can do to make a positive difference in their lives is, in fact, to get close to them, build a strong relationship with them, genuinely care about them, and make them feel significant as human beings. 
you've devoted a full 12 chapters to this section. And I, I love that because I think it's so foundational when I think about the great managers that I have had and the people who have really been mentors in my life. They have taken the time to really um, not only initiate that relationship to begin with, but then to help it grow and help it develop. And they've invested that time in grabbing lunch or setting time aside from their day. And Larry, I know one of the stories that you have shared with me for many years and for everyone in this office and everyone knows this to be true is when you walk into your office, you will clear your schedule, clear what's on your desk, flip down your computer, and you are the focus of whatever that discussion is. And that um, feeling of significance on the other end of that is imperative to really building great trust and then then really developing and desiring to continue that work relationship. That's what comes to mind for me. Well, it, it sends a message. Uh, gestures send messages, and there's all kinds of ways to uh, establish without saying so that somebody is important and significant. But one of the things I'd like to do is, uh, and th- I'm going to throw this over to Kim Turnage, is we give this advice, and as you pointed out, Kim, it's contrarian uh, in in many respects. Let's let's address some of the some of the concerns people voice about why they might hesitate to get close to their people. So what comes to mind immediately for you, Kim, when, when, when I bring up this issue of concerns they might have? I think the two biggest ones are, one, people will perceive that favoritism exists, that you have favorites, that some people get special treatment. Um, two, there is the possibility for a close relationship with the people that you manage to interfere with your ability as a manager to hold people accountable and ensure that they are performing at the level that they should. Well, let's, let's discuss those two. Uh, Give me the first one again. The first one is is the idea that there's going to be favoritism, that that you're going to have a favorite. There are people you care more about than others, people who get certain privileges that others don't get. Yeah, and here's the here's the truth that people would rather not hear. If you're to any of our listeners, if you're a manager, you're a supervisor, you're a leader, you have favorites now. That's because you're a human being and you're just going to have better chemistry with certain people than you do with the others. And, and so, and if you think the people who report to you, if you think they don't know who your favorites are, you are fooling yourself. So let's start with this uh, brutal honesty that you have favorites now. So getting close to people Uh, If you're not getting close to your people, you still have favorites. So that's going to exist no matter what. The issue about having favorites is what that leads to. Do you treat those people differently simply because you have better chemistry? And I mean treat them differently in material respects such as do they get 
uh, bigger raises? Do they get days off when other people wouldn't get days off when they request them? Do they get favorable assignments, et cetera, et cetera, simply because they happen to be your favorite? Because that leads to the second point that Kim Turnage was making. And make that point again on the objection, Kim. Yes, it does lead right into that point. The second objection to getting close to your people is that as a manager, it will make it more difficult for you to hold them accountable um, and to ensure that they have the level of performance that they should have on your team. Yeah, and so what do you say to that? I say that uh, the stronger relationship you have with someone, the more likely you are to call them on the things they're doing that are undesirable. And the more likely you are when you do that to get a positive response from them instead of a, a fight back. And why is that? Because you have a relationship. I mean, the people that are closest to you are the people that you believe have your best interest at heart. So when they come to you with something that they're concerned about, you believe it's because they care about you and they want to see you succeed. And they have greater influence over you as a result. Yeah, I think it's that fundamental, as you said, they know that you care. They know that you have their best interest at heart. And that's why you're, you're more likely to, to find receptivity to those remarks. That's why it's your best friend who tells you when you have bad breath and nobody else will. It's because that person cares enough. They, that person knows this is not going to be a pleasant message for you to hear, but they care enough about you to give you the message. And even if it's unpleasant, you understand that it's coming from a good place. Uh, another variation on this on this theme about not being able to hold people accountable is this: um, familiarity breeds contempt. So you shouldn't get too close to your people. If you get too familiar with them, uh, they'll lose respect for you. And uh, this variation, I have a response to this variation, and that's the following: If it were true that familiarity breeds contempt the people who would hold you in contempt would be your closest friends and your family. It, it is, uh, you can observe your own life experience and realize that getting close to people doesn't mean that you lose respect for them uh, because you have close friends and you have family, et cetera, et cetera, and you know you're not losing respect based on the fact that you got close to them. So these are all, the, these are, these are objections and concerns that are repeated. And when something gets repeated frequently, people accept it as true without really examining it. So how do we know that what we're suggesting here is true, that you should get close to your people? Kim, how do we know this? It's <laughs> the people that you're closest to are the people you can have the greatest influence over. I mean, as you said before, we've got that life experience where we see who are the people who've had the greatest influence over us. Those same principles apply when you're a manager and you want to influence other people. You do it from the place of relationship. And we have also interviewed tens of, literally, tens of thousands of highly successful managers and leaders. And the most successful ones 
tell us that they're very intentional about getting close to their people. Uh, so it isn't just Kim Turnage and I thinking about this. This is uh, advice that is coming out of year, 25, 25 plus years of research on highly successful managers and supervisors. Yeah, I see we're coming close to a break here. Yes. Yeah, we will take a quick break and just pause for a minute. I love that we have opened the show with this um, impetus of cultivating positive relationships. We're going to keep building on that. When we come back, we're going to talk about accelerating people's growth, maximizing engagement and motivation, and we'll even move into teams eventually. So stay with us here on Managing to Make a Difference. Don't forget to pick up your own copy. And if you would like copies for your entire office, you can... Uh, order those online at 800ceoread.com, and um, they'll even brand them for you. So if you have an upcoming event, consider that as well. But we'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Managing to Make a Difference. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter, and people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Our online assessments and person-to-person interviews not only identify talents, but uncover a roadmap for success from a person's first day on the job to the day they retire. When people celebrate their talents, use them daily, and think about how to lead with their strengths, they help their companies grow, produce, and innovate. Want to learn more about empowering your people to help you do great things? Visit us today at talentplus.com. Asked to manage your teams but wonder when or how? Join Talent Plus on-site with us or at your corporate office for a seminar built just for you. Leadership Toolbox focuses on individual engagement, talent and fit, team dynamics and growth, and creating a strength-based culture. This interactive, seminar-style format is just the set of tools you need for world-class team performance starting now. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. In your business, are you on top of your PR game? PR is what tells your story. Whether it's the business itself, key people in your business, or showing your best face to the public, listen for the brand ambassadors. Host Merritt Hamilton Allen with co-host Gary Potterfield will discuss effective presentation ideas, building your personal brand, risk management, crisis communication, and more. Focus your business goals and PR resources. Listen live Fridays at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time.
whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Managing to Make a Difference with Larry Sternberg and Kim Turnage. We sure hope that you are ready to talk management today. We are um, talking about all of the different sections in the book that we have covered thus far in the podcast. And so it's a really nice time for us to reflect back and see some of the topics that we have covered. The first section and in the first segment of this podcast, we talked about cultivating positive relationships. And what I love about this book is in every chapter, there's an experiment and there's a lesson. So it's a real hands-on book that you can really take things away with. And from that first section, I know that like prioritizing one-on-ones really comes to mind for me. So Kim Turnage, when we're talking about things that people can literally, nuggets that they can pull out of this book and take away right into their management situations today, what comes to mind for you on one-on-ones? So that's a very tactical way. Um, that's what I love about this one chapter, prioritize one-on-ones. It's very tactical about exactly what you can do, how you can spend that one-on-one time to make people significant, to help people feel that they matter to you as individuals, not just for what they produce. And I can tell you that I have talked to managers who say, listen, this is not going to work because in my culture where I work, if, if we have a one-on-one with somebody, it's because something's wrong. Or it's, if someone initiates one with me, they're sucking up. You know, that's what that looks like in my culture. And my response to that is, you're the leader. Change the culture. Because those one-on-ones are so important. You need to be able to sit down with people without a specific agenda that something's wrong or something needs to be fixed. And you need to be able to just converse with them and see what's up with them, see what they're working on, see how you can help them. Because that effort to cultivate the relationship in that way will make a huge difference in their loyalty to you as their manager, their commitment to the organization as a whole, and their performance and growth. Because you're going to be hearing about what they need pretty shortly after they need it. And it gives you the opportunity to act on it quickly and make things better for them. Let me interject that I, as my my, uh, associates here at Talent Plus are well aware, I actually enjoy having those kinds of meetings in a coffee shop. Uh, And I know not everybody can get out of your workspace to have a one-on-one with people. But if you can do this, even occasionally, you get into a, a different environment. There are different visual cues, et cetera. Uh, the, the entire environment is different, and it leads to a different kind of conversation, which, which is often very personal. So I like to, and, and I also like to drink good coffee. So uh, I, it's a good excuse for me to go out and have a good cup of coffee. But just think about that as the, the part of the, way that you might do these one-on-ones. And I feel like well, and we get that that may be different. We get it. That may be different from what's happening. But if you're doing it with everyone that you manage, that's going to become the new normal. 
So there's no reason that you can't. Well, and I feel like that change in environment and that change in conversation can really lead us to even this section, second section that we really want to talk about, which is accelerating people's growth. Because if you're managing a team, there, you want nothing more than to have all of your team members consistently growing and moving your team performance ahead and innovation and growth. And so when we think about this next section of the book, you know, coaching, optimizing fit, setting great expectations, what jumps out at you as something that we just really need to revisit? Well, I, there's something that jumps out at me that leads into uh, accelerating people's growth. And that's it's still in section one. And that is accepting people as they are and not trying to change them. This is one of my favorite topics when I speak to groups. Uh, I think this is one of the most important uh, learnings that we can bring to people is let's quit asking people to change. We're talking about the importance of relationships and we're in our society, we're very cavalier about asking people to change. You go in for a performance evaluation, uh, in certain respects, somebody may be asking you to change. And it's extremely difficult. I don't want to say it's not possible, but it's extremely difficult to ask somebody to change. However, if you want to have a terrific relationship with somebody, whether it's your significant other or a family member or a client, uh, accept them as they are and don't ask them to change and understand that people are not perfect. Everyone has aces and spaces. Uh, And if you start, it's a decision whether you focus on what's right about a person or what's not right about a person. And we all have both of those in abundance. Uh, And it's just a decision about what you want to focus on. And it's a decision to tolerate when somebody is is uh, behaving in a way that uh, is is not uh, not the best. Um, and and I, I was just talking to a friend of mine uh, over uh, over Thanksgiving. He had he has sons and they have significant others and he has a daughter and blah, blah, blah. And they, they had this big extended family together and the daughter, as usual, monopolized the entire conversation. And uh, he knows enough that he's not going to ask his daughter to change that. They just know when when she shows up. This is what's going to happen. And from my point of view, it makes it makes a conversation easy. You just say hello and and you sit there and somebody else is, is going to spend the whole time talking and no pressure on you. Uh, so in any event, though, he knows enough that he's not going to ask his daughter to change it. He's not going to criticize her for that because that's the way she's built. Well, and that's, that's a building block. It's the fundamental building block of managing people in a way that accelerates their growth. If you can understand what makes them them, accept it for what it is, then you have the foundation for optimizing the fit between what they're good at and what they enjoy and what they do naturally and the things that you're asking them to do in their job. And you also have a great foundation for setting the right expectations individually for each person so that they have the greatest opportunity to be successful. 
And also for motivating them, because as you get close to your people, as we build on what we've been talking about here, as you get close to people, you understand uh, at a greater level of depth what they value, what they care about, and therefore you know what is likely to motivate them to participate in what you want them to do, to try harder, to do whatever it is you think will be beneficial for them, and you can start appealing to those things. But again, you have to, you, so you have to get close to them, and you have to accept them as they are. Then when you want to motivate them to grow, to learn new things, to maybe step out of their comfort zone and try a new set of responsibilities or something of the sort, you know what you can appeal to in order to motivate them. Well, and I think that's what we have as sort of a central principle for if you want to be a highly effective manager who's going to make a difference in other people's lives, the key to that is individualizing. You can't treat everyone exactly the same. And that's why getting to know your people is the first step because everything else follows from understanding each person as an individual so that you can customize your approach. Yes, then again, our studies of tens of thousands of leaders and managers and executives uh, lead us to the conclusion that the best ones, the, the ones who are most effective uh, at what they do, um, do individualize their approach. They don't have a one-size-fits-all to motivation. They don't have a one-size-fits-all to how they're going to manage people. They really manage according to what that person responds to. And in order to do that, you got to get close enough to them to really understand them. You can't know enough about another person provided you want to know for the right reason, which is to help them, to benefit them in some way. When you talk about motivating people and moving them forward, even in their own growth after you've developed that relationship, you know, I think that that just leads to engagement. That leads to an organization filled with people who have an internal motivation that allows them to then buy into an organizational motivation or engagement plan. So um, in my mind, talk a little bit about how if I'm individually motivated, how then I can wrap that into being engaged as an entire organization and as a team? Well, if if I'm your manager, I need to find out what it is that motivates you. I need to find out what you care about, what you value before I can answer that question because we're talking about individualizing. So unless I know what motivates you and as it happens, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at Kim Shirk and I happen to know that she has a passion for helping people who are disadvantaged in some way and for making uh, making contributions to the community and to society as a whole. And in your case, what I would do is I would talk about the mission of the company and I would help you see how what we're doing makes a difference in the lives of people and how what you're doing moves that mission so that we're making a contribution to society. We're not just uh, uh, providing products uh, and making a profit here. Mm-hmm. I think so many managers think just in a holistic way of one size fits all. And I think this um, cookie cutter approach doesn't work as well. And the tools that you've given us in this book really move us toward that individualization. So I hope you're as encouraged out there, our audience members, as I am by hearing this great um 
advice um, through Manage to Make a Difference. And I hope that you'll visit us on our website. It's www.managetomakeadifference.com. And right there you can find additional resources, um, additional materials and exercises that go along with the podcast that we've been talking about every week here for the past several weeks and into the future. So hope that you'll stay tuned for our next segment. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Managing to Make a Difference. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Asked to manage your teams but wonder when or how? Join Talent Plus on-site with us or at your corporate office for a seminar built just for you. Leadership Toolbox focuses on individual engagement, talent and fit, team dynamics and growth, and creating a strength-based culture. This interactive, seminar-style format is just the set of tools you need for world-class team performance starting now. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter, and people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Our online assessments and person-to-person interviews not only identify talents, but uncover a roadmap for success from a person's first day on the job to the day they retire. When people celebrate their talents, use them daily and think about how to lead with their strengths, they help their companies grow, produce, and innovate. Want to learn more about empowering your people to help you do great things? Visit us today at talentplus.com. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Managing to Make a Difference, and thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. You know, we're heading into this holiday season. It's a great time of gift giving and um, just joy and sharing with those that you love. And so we wanted to take a little bit of time to reflect on the gift that this book is. And I can say that because I am not one of the co-authors, and I truly do think this is a gift. It is a, 
the ability for managers in positions, whether they are new to management, whether they have been management for a seasoned number of years, to go back and really reflect on the difference and the significant impact they are making on the teams that they're reflecting on. And one of the things that really comes to my mind that is pretty central to this book is something we talk about a lot here at Talent Plus. It's called the gift formula. And Kim, do you want to talk us through that? Sure. So the gift formula... um, Elements of the gift formula are talent plus fit times investment equals growth. And if you take all those things and you take their first letter backwards, it spells gift. That's why we call it the gift formula. Talent plus fit times investment equals growth. And so we start building teams with individuals. And we want to start building teams with the right individuals who have the right talent. They have the right stuff to succeed in this role. So what what do you mean by talent, Kim? Talent is something that's natural to an individual. Those things they're naturally good at and enjoy. And that and is really important. There's lots of things that people are good at, but they don't enjoy. What we're looking for in talent is what people are both good at and enjoy. And it comes pretty naturally to them. So we want to start with that sort of installed software of talent. And we want to add to that talent the right fit, which we were just kind of touching on in the last segment. The idea that what it takes to succeed is aligned with what that person brings to the table. So when we get talent plus fit, we have the best starting point. And then the investments that you make in each person have their greatest impact to lead to the greatest growth. Investment is a multiplier on talent plus fit. And so when you maximize the combination of talent and fit, any investment that you make in a person's growth will have the greatest output in their actual growth. So that's the gift formula. So I would uh, I would add to that that when a person is in the right fit, their spontaneous behavior in a in a given situation happens to lead to success. So you know if you're in the right fit when you're just using your natural abilities, when you have to change the least in order to be successful. That's when you're in the right fit, when the, when the abilities you have, when the talent that you have happens to be the talent that is required for that particular role and that you will be successful. Then when you invest in that, as, as, as Kim said, when you then invest in, in maximizing those strengths that you have and in developing those strengths, uh, that's when you're going to get growth. And frankly, by growth in this formula, we mean self-actualization. There's, there's some lip service paid to self-actualization. As, as most of our listeners know, it's at the, it's at the top of Maslow's famous, uh, famous hierarchy of needs that is usually presented as a pyramid. And, uh, 
but few people talk about that. And, and that's what we mean by self-actualization. It's, it's becoming more of who you really are, not changing. It's becoming more of who you really are. And when you get somebody in the right fit for their talent, uh, then they can flourish. And interestingly enough, in building teams, this is when the person has the most success for himself or herself and makes their biggest contribution to the team. And I think the one of the ultimate uh, destinations of a team culture can be when teammates look at each other and say, thank God you're here because you can do these things with excellence and I am just not good at that stuff. And, and boy, am I thankful to have you on this team. Uh, that's what, that's, that's how you build a great team is by putting people together who have complementary strengths. And that's how you get synergy, by the way, is putting people together who have complementary strengths so that two plus two is more than four. And that doesn't mean that they're complete opposites in any way. It may be that there's a set of strengths that's sort of a ticket to admission that if someone's going to be part of this team, you know they have to be a hard worker who's willing to go above and beyond. But some of them need to do one thing and others can do something else well that helps us function as a team more effectively through those synergies. And to give an example of something that might be required of all team members, uh, I had a client for many years where the executives in this organization were intensely competitive individuals. They competed with each other. They competed with their competition. You know, if you were, if you were walking down the street and you sped up the way you were walking, uh, they wouldn't even notice, but they couldn't stand to be behind you. They would speed up. You could keep speeding up until you were running, and it's just the way they were built. And, and the point I'm making is uh, if you wanted to be an executive in that organization, and you weren't competitive, you just weren't a good fit. It didn't mean you were a bad executive. Uh, it, it just meant that it's the organization culture is set. You're, you're not going to achieve your career goals, and you're probably better off in a different organization, no matter how good you might have been at that job. I feel like as you begin to build those ordinary teams, it naturally leads into something that you all have spent a lot of time, a good portion of the book on, which is a section entitled Shaping Your Culture. And it's the natural outgrowth of building trusting relationships with individuals, moving to help them to develop and further grow, motivated to continue that growth, and then um, that team concept. All in it builds what you were alluding to earlier, Kim, it builds a culture um, and whatever that culture is that you have built, that is what individuals on the outside of your organization see. And so it is um, imperative that you intentionally spend some time shaping that culture. Can you talk a little bit about that? Kim, you want to go or you want me to go? Yeah, I can start off with just a general understanding of what is culture. So if we're talking about culture, what are we talking about? And the reality is I think we're talking about what's it like to work here. Um, and, and culture is not as much who we say we are 
as it is who we really are. So oftentimes the, an organization has sort of a statement of vision or mission that isn't necessarily aligned with how people actually operate or how the organization actually works. Culture is what's real. It's not what's aspirational. And so by its very definition then, culture is the culmination of those things that you do for and with each other, those things that get rewarded, those things that are unacceptable and get punished. So one thing that any of our listeners can do in order to cultivate the kind of culture you want is collect stories. Stories have a powerful impact on the way people behave and on contributing to their growth and on shaping your culture. So collect stories that that illustrate the cultural values, the behaviors, and the expectations that you have. And collect those stories, retell them, circulate them. This will be a very practical and easy way for you to shape the culture in the direction you want it to go. That was actually, we had a whole show on that topic, and it was one of the most fun ones that we did because we told so many great stories. So if this is interesting to our listeners, it would be great to go back to that episode um, on cultivating your organization's folklore and telling those stories to help enliven and shape your culture. I feel like uh, coming from a journalistic background, one of the things that I came to the table with was this just imperative need to tell stories, to tell the stories of our clients, to tell the stories of our associates. And um, so uh, it's enlightening and exciting for me to then hear that that is part of the culture building that has gone on because it's kind of just an innate um it's just a natural thing that comes to me to think we've got to tell the stories and we can't tell them ourselves. I think in organizations, when you're in management positions, you can tell the stories all you want, but when other people who have been managed underneath you or beside you, alongside you, uh, when they are able to tell stories of how you have encouraged them and stepped them along the way in terms of a management perspective, I feel like that is just a really rich way of um, continuing to build a great culture. And let me add to that the, the, the importance of the story. So in your culture, you might have a value of going the extra mile. And you can repeat that all you want as a principle. But it's much more powerful to tell a story about when one of your people went the extra mile. And that gives people a vivid visualization of what you mean when you say go the extra mile. And that story will have a much bigger impact on their behavior than simply telling people go the extra mile. We might point out that it also provides specific recognition to people who are living out those cultural values. And so it's also a way of shaping a culture of recognition and appreciation for those kinds of behaviors and attitudes that are aligned with the values you want your culture to uphold. And I think as, um, as we, again, go into this holiday season, this might be a great 
exercise for the managers that are listening to this recording right now. Consider the people that you have managed and reflect a little bit on the stories that you have seen that embrace the values of your organization and that you want to see more of and really contemplate writing a note or, um, you know, acknowledging in front of the organization some of these things that you have witnessed throughout the year. I think that'd be a great way to recognize people as we finalize this fiscal year and move into the next one too. Just a thought. We're about to take another quick break and we'll be right back with managing to make a difference. In the meantime, as always, if you have a question or something that you'd like for us to address on future podcast episodes, just click that email button email podcast button and we'll get those questions right and we'll be um, be able to answer those in future upcoming podcasts so we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back the business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter, and people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Our online assessments and person-to-person interviews not only identify talents, but uncover a roadmap for success from a person's first day on the job to the day they retire. When people celebrate their talents, use them daily and think about how to lead with their strengths, they help their companies grow, produce, and innovate. Want to learn more about empowering your people to help you do great things? Visit us today at talentplus.com. Asked to manage your teams but wonder when or how? Join Talent Plus on-site with us or at your corporate office for a seminar built just for you. Leadership Toolbox focuses on individual engagement, talent and fit, team dynamics and growth, and creating a strength-based culture. This interactive, seminar-style format is just the set of tools you need for world-class team performance starting now. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Managing to Make a Difference. We're glad that you have taken the time to spend with us today with Larry Sternberg and Kim Turnage. We know that um, their experience in management has been far and wide, and um, they put it all together in this book, Managing to Make a Difference. We hope that you'll pick up a copy this holiday season for you, for your teammates, for other people, and even consider as you walk into 2018, what is it 
that your organization is faced with? What challenges um, are ahead of you? What opportunities for you to grow? And even consider having Larry come to your organization. He's a phenomenal speaker. He customizes all of his presentations. And if you've ever been in the room with him, he is captivating and funny and energetic. And um, as we've been talking about stories, he has a million stories to share. So I hope that you'll consider that, consider bringing him in as a speaker. But I want to mention the book, man, great stocking stuffers, particularly if your feet are as big as mine. <laughs> So we're talking about managing to make a difference today. It's been kind of a reflection podcast. We've been talking through the different sections of the book. And the next section that we're going to um, touch base on is called Embrace Change. And we're actually only partially through that in terms of our podcast um, episodes. And so we're moving through that. But one of the things we've really been talking about is embracing uncertainty, confident, filling hope as you move into a new phase of whatever portion of your organization. Um, You know, maybe you're launching a new product. Maybe you are reorganizing your workforce. Maybe you are looking at succession planning because many people will be um, retiring in the coming future. You're looking at your next set of leaders. But whatever that change is, it presents possibilities and opportunities for you to look at it with a great enthusiasm and engagement toward moving to the future. So, so Ken, Larry, when we think about embracing change and the topics that we've covered so far, what comes to mind for you all? Is I would bet big money that every person listening to this podcast is going through some sort of change in their organization because that's uh, a constant. Change is a constant. Uh, and, and no choice. You better embrace it. If you keep resisting change, you're going to create stress for yourself, and you're going to be on the wrong side of history. So uh, that's the first thing that comes to my mind is, of course, there's uncertainty. Uh, but as a leader, you have to focus, as Kim Shirk just put it very eloquently, you know, along with change comes new opportunities. And uh, even though there's some pain maybe involved, there are new opportunities. And as a leader, it's up to you to know that they're there and to help people find them. Well, and I think, think about one of the most important things we say uh, in that section that might be counterintuitive once again um, is don't strive for 100% buy-in. The reality is that if you're going to move your organization forward and really get a change accomplished you're not going to have 100% buy-in at the time that you need to move things forward. There's always going to be some group of people who aren't ready to come along yet. And we emphasize two things. One, don't let that small group of people hold you back. And two, don't hold it against them. When we think about um, not striving for 100% buy-in, when we also consider um, – the rapid pace of change that is reality in our world today. I think um, one of the chapters, chapter 63, that I loved the episode on was just encouraging suggestions and having an appetite for new ideas and new ways to embrace change. Uh, when you think about some of the new ideas that have been embraced by you or how they have been embraced, um, what was the thought process? Well, uh, given that we're moving toward the conclusion of this particular episode, one of the things we wanted to talk about that relates to change 
is the chapter uh, entitled Tolerate Undesirable Behaviors. We have had uh, a number of individuals remark about this chapter because it's a difficult concept for people to embrace that you should tolerate undesirable behaviors. And, and the, the chapter theme and the title is based on the insight that everybody has aces and spaces and that people are going to do things that annoy you. And those things might not be central to uh, the, the way they add value. Uh, and, and I wanted to call this chapter out with respect to embracing change simply because of what's going on in our society right at the moment with the number of women who are finally uh, coming forward, who have finally found the courage to say, uh, I was the victim of inappropriate behavior on the part of these powerful men who created a lot of value for their organizations. And so 20, 30 years ago, or even, even, even possibly uh, more recently, uh, these men, it was just accepted that this was going to be the plight of women, that they were going to have to be the recipient of this sexual harassment. Uh, and that's just the way the world was. And it was known in many of these organizations that uh, this was happening and it was tolerated because these men were making a lot of money for these organizations. They were creating a lot of value. And what's going on right now is a cultural shift. All of a sudden, organizations and individuals are not going to tolerate this anymore. We're going through a very significant cultural shift, and women are being encouraged, and I mean with the word courage, encouraged to come forward, and they're being encouraged. To, and so women are going to start coming forward immediately now when uh, these sorts of, of immoral behaviors uh, occur toward them. You know, I want to emphasize that's not what Kim Turnage and I were talking about when we wrote this chapter. We weren't talking about tolerating immoral or unethical behavior. We were talking about behaviors that are annoying and, and show that somebody is less than perfect. But uh, I want to emphasize we weren't talking about tolerating this or any other kind of immoral behavior. Yeah, there's in what we're calling quote unquote bad behavior uh, in the book, we're not talking about immoral, unethical, um, hurts other people kind of behavior. We're talking about the kinds of stuff like that guy who's always late for every meeting or that woman who just absolutely can't keep her desk neat. Um, you know, and what we're saying there is tolerate those kinds of things. People come with some kinds of things that are annoying or undesirable or by someone's definition bad, but that doesn't mean that you throw out the baby with the bathwater. Instead, change the environment, change the expectations so that those kinds of annoying habits and behaviors aren't an issue. One of the things I really appreciate about this podcast is, um, you know, I say it every week and I mean it. If you have questions or concerns or things, issues that you want to talk about, we want to address them. And I really appreciate, Larry, that you have 
you know, really brought this to our attention because radio hosts, as they interview you and other people, as they've read the book, have really brought this to our attention, the curiosity about that chapter five. And so I appreciate the clarity of that. That's just for everyone out there as our audience as well. We really want, if there's something that has challenged you and you want to ask another question or ask for some clarification on it, we really encourage you hit that email the host um, button there on the podcast page and we will get to that and we will absolutely address that so we're wrapping up our episode today we thank you so much for joining us for managing to make a difference today we've kind of gone through the first several sections of the book and we hope that you'll continue with us as we move into finalizing the section on embracing change and then moving into investing in your own growth Uh, All hopefully these are great gifts for you as the holidays, as you wrap up this fiscal year, as you look to the future, managing great teams and really making a difference in their lives. So pick up your copies of the book, share them this year, and then um, really take to heart the experiments and the lessons in here. And we think that you will make a huge difference, not only in your own organization, but in your families in all the culture around you. So thanks for joining us again today. Have a wonderful holiday season. We'll be back again next week. Um, Until then, I hope that you manage to make a difference every day. Thank you for joining us for Managing to Make a Difference with Talent Plus's Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. We hope these real-life management examples will help you manage teams across the globe. Just a reminder, this series airs on Voice America, the business channel, each Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. We hope you'll tune in next week for Managing to Make a Difference. Until then, put these practices into place and manage to make a difference.